0: Shi'ar Jeshub, Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Let's join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the Heavenly Authority series. Last time we began the section in the Heavenly Authority series where David takes a census of Israel. And that's in 2 Samuel chapter 24. And let me read it again, verses 1 and 2. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people that I may know the number of the people. We saw how in his leadership position, what David did in this census impacted all the people of Israel. And we'll discuss this further as we come to understand the corporate principle in the Bible. We saw how because of Israel's sin of half-heartedness and double-mindedness, the Lord is angry with them and he hands them over to Satan for a time. And actually, in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, in verse 1 and 2, which is the parallel account to 2 Samuel, we see that Satan stands up against Israel, and Satan is the actual agent to tempt and move David to his actions. But we discussed how the motives were different, how God is seeking repentance and eternal life, so he allows this, Satan desires eternal destruction for God's people. And there's a caution to believers in this. If we live like the devil and we act like the devil, no matter how much we call on the name of the Lord, don't be surprised if God hands us over to Satan for a time that we might truly come to our senses. We also saw how this sin of David was really an extension of the whole matter of Uriah the Hittite how David's sin has brought division to the land. You have Judah, his kinsmen, and then you have the other tribes of Israel. And there's an us against them attitude, which combined with fear, David's concern of his security, makes good soil for Satan to sow the seed. How many are there of us and how many are there of them? And a division then in God's land. Then we began last time looking at this whole complicated issue of counting, of numbering, of taking a census, of the role of numbering, of reckoning in the scriptures. And we went back to Exodus chapter 30 and verse 11, and we saw the detailed instructions given by God to Moses for a census, when you number the people, how every man 20 years and older had to give a half-shekel offering for the service of Of the tabernacle and that that offering was to be a memorial for the children of Israel to make atonement otherwise what there would be a plague they would come under a plague there would be a plague among them if they numbered the people without taking this offering this memorial and God was reminding them that when they number they had to recognize their need for salvation their need for the Lord no matter how few no matter how many. People tend to get caught up in numbers, how few are we, how many are we? And they either feel security or a lack of security from those numbers. And God says, when you number, if there's a purpose for it, understand that you need me. No matter how few you are, no matter how many you are. And there was this need for the atonement, for the recognition, for the memorial, that they need the Lord. And then we looked at the numbering instructions and the censuses taken in the book of Numbers. How, when they numbered the congregation, the fighting men 20 years old and above, they were not to number the Levites. And again, there was this emphasis on the service of the tabernacle. Also, we read about a numbering of the Levites, but this time it was every male one month old and above and then a numbering of all the firstborn males of Israel, one month, one month old, and above. And there was a substitutionary principle, a replacement. The firstborn of Israel were replaced by the Levites who served in the tabernacle. And if there was a difference, there was redemption money that would provide in the case of an overage. And again, we saw the importance in numbering of recognizing the obligation to God, to his ministers, to his ministry, to remember God and his work whenever we number, value, count what we have. This was not accounting for part of the army. This was accounting for the replacement for the service and the tabernacle. The two main census, the one when they come out of Egypt, gave glory to God because it shows the increase as he promised to Abraham. The second census, when they are about to go into the promised land, shows the glory of god how the generation who said our children will die and they they did not trust god that generation died and yet their children were as numerous as they and the census showed that and the census gave glory to what only god could do how only god could keep his people and the census was also for a reason for a purpose a holy purpose right it was to decide then how the promised land based upon the number of people in each tribe would be divided up for the division of the promised land. And from all this, we concluded that numbering, reckoning, counting, used correctly glorifies God, glorifies His work, gives righteous instruction, gives righteous understanding, quantifies and identifies all of God's work to His glory that numbering and counting and reckoning used correctly is for a godly purpose and should not be taken casually, and that when used correctly identifies our obligation to God and to his service. But men, mankind, sinful human beings, will use numbering to what? To glorify man, to identify man's power, to enhance man's power over others, to control, to manipulate for ungodly purposes and often without any thought given to the motives. And we saw the example of all the technology coming about that will allow people to be numbered and scanned and kept counted and organized and computed and how it can be used as a tool for manipulation and control. God ordained the numbering of the people for a purpose, but David here has selfish motives. He hasn't thought of what he's doing. He hasn't thought it through. God gave specific rules, including the obligation to a service, to pay for the servants, to pay for his work, and no mention is there in 2 Samuel or 1 Chronicles of David ever doing this. So we'll see that both David's motives and his methods are not right. They're not good. It might seem strange to us today that numbering would be considered such a sacred thing to be cautious with, to be careful with. But more and more around us, we see how numbering can mean control. Okay, let's read on in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 3. It says, And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king desire this thing? Why does my lord the king desire this thing? So here you have pragmatist Joab. We've seen he's not a very religious fellow. He's a general, he's an army commander, he works for the here and now, and yet he knows that this rash numbering is wrong in God's sight, and just from the history of Israel and God's interaction with Israel, he's afraid. May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are. And David, may you see it. What is he saying? He's saying that God can increase the nation a hundredfold, so why do this? Why number to see how powerful we are when that's not the purpose of numbering in God's sight? God can take and multiply us a hundred times. Why do this? He understands it's unholy in God's sight because his faith in numbers versus a faith in God and his promises to make the Israelites as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea. The people increase or decrease in number depending upon God's hands upon them. So David, let's trust God. And I pray he does it, I pray he increases you a hundredfold and that you see it. But don't seek this counterpart from God. Men-driven, the numbering, to know the power, versus God-driven, God-blessing and multiplying. And that's what's wrong with this numbering. Many times we'll hear people say, well, what did David do so wrong? And it's hard in modern society to understand it. When I was a new Christian, Obviously, I have my marketing, my business administration's degree from UConn, and the master's was in marketing. The specialty was in marketing. So as a new Christian, I had a pastor friend of mine come to me who knew another pastor who was looking to do a marketing survey. And hearing that there's this Christian that has a marketing background, uh, he thought it might be a good mesh that I could come there and do a survey for them and the, and the whole point of it was to count the community, to do a survey of the community to see what their needs were. What do they want from a church? What do they need? What type of services and care and social needs do they need? And I prayed about it. Immediately this account of David came to me of counting the people and I, and I turned it down. The... The book of Acts uses numbers. If you look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says on the day of Pentecost, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. It gives us a number. It gives us a counting. About 3,000 souls saved on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. They increased the number of men about 5,000. So the book of Acts gives us numbers, but notice these numbers glorify God. What God has done, what the Holy Spirit has accomplished on the day of Pentecost, pouring out his gifts upon the church. It's God-driven, not men-driven. Peter doesn't sit down with, james and john and the others and say okay let's let's do this let's market jerusalem let's send out a survey let's figure out what the people want to hear what the people need and then we'll tailor our message and what our church does to meet those needs rather under the holy spirit peter gets up and tells them what they need they need jesus That's his God-given, God-driven authority to speak out that they need Jesus. Not to establish this or that. Now, we know they had different works, right? They had a collection of food for the widows to help those who were in need. That's part of the Lord's work. They didn't need a survey to tell them, help the people. When you take a marketing survey, when you count the number to find out what people want, it implies that you're going to manipulate, change what the church does in response to the people. It's men-driven rather than God-driven. And that is not unusual in the churches today. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.